We are now on Joshua 10, and I'm going to read uh, about half of this chapter, and then I've got uh, a few key points and a bit of a building update as we go along. So if you've got a Bible, here we go on your phones or however it works. Now, King Adonai Zedek of Jerusalem heard that Joshua captured Ai and completely destroyed it, treating Ai and its king as he had Jericho and its king, that the inhabitants of Gibeon made peace with Israel and were living among them. So basically, the Israelites have done a raid, they've captured Jericho, the walls have come down, and then they've made a peace with the Gibeonites, and they've, they've all been absorbed into the people. So the other kings are now looking with great alarm, thinking that the power and might of the Israelites is growing, and now we're feeling under threat. Uh, so Adonai Zedek and his people are greatly alarmed, because Gibeon was a large city, like one of the royal cities. It was larger than I, and its men were warriors, Therefore, King Adonai Zedek of Jerusalem sent word to King Horam of Hebron, King Piram of Jarmuth, King Jephiah of Lachish, and King Debir of Eglon, saying, Come up and help me. We will attack Gibeon, because they have made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. So the five Amorite kings, the king of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon, joined forces and advanced with all their armies, besieged Gibeon, and fought against it. This is an overwhelming and powerful fighting force. Then the men of Gibeon sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, don't give up on your servants. Come quickly and save us, because now they're allies, you see. Save us, help us, for all the Amorite kings living in the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua and all his troops, including all his best soldiers, came from Gilgal. And the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid of them, for I've handed them over to you, not one of them will be able to stand against you. That, that, those words in verse 8 are repeated many times, actually, seven times at least, which we'll come on to in a minute. So Joshua caught them by surprise after marching all night from Gilgal. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. He defeated them in a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them through the ascent of Beth Horon and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makeda. As they fled before Israel, the Lord threw hailstones on them from the sky along the descent of Beth Horon all the way to Azekah, and they died. More of them died from that hail than the Israelites killed with the sword. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to the Israelites, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the presence of Israel, and this is, the <laughs> this is a mighty prayer. If ever there was one. I mean, we're like, please, please, God, give us St. Hughes. It would be really good. This is a bold prayer. Sun stand still over Gibeon and moon over the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on his enemies. Isn't this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed its setting almost a full day. That is a prayer, isn't it? Don't you think? That is, a, that is a mighty prayer and an amazing answer. There's been no day like it before or since when the Lord listened to a man because the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua and all Israel with him returned to the camp at Gilgal. Well... <laughs> So, somehow, 
in the next 25 minutes, I'm going to try and unpack the sun standing still and all the surrounding verses. So do be praying under your breath as I go with this, because this is quite something. Now, uh, we're, going to, we're going to try and blast through this and just pick out on a few key bits. Um, it is seven times, actually, I think, or around about that. I'm, we might be able to dig out some others, but on a, on a little flick through yesterday, seven times the Lord says words like, don't be afraid, I'm with you. Now, my experience is that when God keeps saying something to you, it means you're going to go into a tough time. You know, sometimes people say, I wish I had a prophetic word given to me. I wish I, I, wish I heard God speak to me. You know, or someone come over to you and say, you know, the Lord is saying. My experience, now this is, I'm not saying only my experiences count, but my experiences, when I've been somewhere... And someone comes over and says, I think the Lord wants to say this to you. Normally, it's either a rebuke or it's a reassurance that God's with me because I've put my life on the front foot of his purposes and I'm out on a limb. So I often say to people, you know, people say, I don't hear God speaking to me. Here's my simple reply. If you choose to throw your life in with everything you've got and put yourself on the front foot of God's purposes, where you really feel like you're on the edge of a precipice or hanging by a thread, trusting God, really out on a limb, then the prophets tend to surround you. And it's even happening in our church at the moment. In three and a half years, nearly four years of running this church, I would say Dan and I, and certainly I am, receiving more prophetic words from people and from around the place than since we first started the church. Why? Because we're out on a limb. Let me just say this. When God says to you, be bold and courageous, do not fear, it's because you're going to really be heading into a punch-up. So don't crave it. Get yourself on the front foot of God's purposes. And when you need the encouragement, he will surround you with promises and, and his prophets. So let me give you an example. This is happening. It's easy for us to miss this. But I think we are going through a miraculous and quite a special time. Regardless, actually, of whether we get the building or not. At the beginning of the year when we first started doing Joshua, it became very clear to us through a series of circumstances and moments that Exodus 14.14 was very, very important, which simply says, be still, the Lord will fight for you. Like, you know, be at peace. I mean, I think, who is it who came over to me and said, don't strive? A couple of weeks ago. That was you, wasn't it? Yeah. So we've had a few people come over saying, don't worry. It's going to be right. Now, those who know me know I'm fairly unflappable. Now, I don't, I don't really do worry about money and, and stuff. It's just not, or if I am, I don't show it because I just think it's a good leadership principle, you know. So, but there are a couple of times when I've thought, how am I? I know 50 grand, that's quite a lot, isn't it? <laughs> when they put the money up, you know, they sort of we suddenly, I think Mike sent an email and it was like, 
or, or rich or almost simultaneously. Have you seen the auction website? It's gone up from 350,000 to 650. So I think I did the classic British thing at that point. I'll put the kettle on. <laughs> I'll a cup of tea. Think about it. And for about a week, I was just thinking about it. Not, not toxically, but I could feel like it could become a stress. But I didn't let it. I'm like, oh, I think God's with us. And then one morning, I was literally walking my aging dog. And now, I think it's the Lord actually, but a half hour walk now takes an hour as I have to drag her around the woods without her legs working properly. So I'm dragging Flick, and I felt the Lord tell me who to phone. Now, the person I had to phone is actually a very hard person to get hold of. And, uh, and he's the sort of person that everyone, want, you know, everyone will want to talk to them. Uh, but you've heard the rest of the story. It's be still and the Lord will fight for you. And those verses have stayed with me. But then, over the last week, the prophetesses amongst us have started to email that the mighty, fear, fearsome women of the Lord, very scary, the mighty, fearsome, prophetic women of the Lord, Janet emailed, I've been dwelling on some words since day two of our prayer and fasting week. The words very clearly in my head during my moment of quiet and reading, praying for the verses for the kid, kids appeared were, proclaim truth and silence, followed by a very strong sense of understanding that this relates to the auction, that in proclaiming God's truth, he will bring silence. Now, that's nice words, but what you don't know is that, that almost, I think the day before Janet emailed, me and Mike we're having a conversation where Mike said, the truth is not coming out about this land. I think I need to stand up and proclaim the truth to the auction house, get kicked out and leave you to do the bidding. <laughs> and, then, and then Janet sends that word. Why do we need it? Because we're out on a limb. When the Lord says be bold or he's specific or be courageous or he speaks in that way like he did to Paul, keep on preaching, don't be worried when he's in Corinth. It's because it's going to be tough. So we're getting encouraged because we need to know we're in the Lord's will. That's special, isn't it? Teresa then emails me, another mighty, scarily prophetic woman of the Lord. I'm building a church of people and I will greatly increase in number. My children who love me and they will testify to the people of Chesterfield because my children have laid down their lives for me, their living sacrifices, their kindness and generosity testify to their love for me, and they'll be a beacon for me in this town, and a bunch of other words. And I think, I needed to hear that this week. Because you start to doubt your heart. I mean, I've said here from the front, I've said, we want this building, not because we want a snazzy building, but we want to reach the hurting, lost and broken. And I know how sacrificial, I don't know the names of who's given, but I know the amounts, and I know that there are some people probably have got no money who put in a few quid, and some people have got a lot of money who put in a few quid, and it has been equal sacrifices. And I think, honestly, I'm reading it out because I think that's pleased the Lord. I think whether you put in 30 quid or five grand, you've pleased the Lord. And I think that's why he sent us that, that word, because he knows your heart. And it, again, it's another affirmation, like, you, you, your heart for this is right. Because you still start to doubt yourself when you're in the storm. Your heart's right. And then, and then 
she went on to say, I don't know if I've made this up, which is just the humble heart that you need when you're giving prophetic words. This may be the Lord. But I did remember it this morning and wrote it down. I feel peaceful if we get the building, that God will help us use this fantastic resource in all sorts of ways for his glory. But I also felt reminded that we are his church and building or not, he is building it in Chesterfield and will show us how. And that's it, isn't it? We come out of the auction and we get the building. I might have a cheeky glass of Prosecco. If we don't get the building, I'll have a Diet Coke and a quarter pounder with cheese. And then we'll have a little planning meeting. Then Jackie emails. Fearsome, scary, prophetic woman of the Lord. Remember, it was a, a whole bunch of stuff. I'm just paraphrasing. A reminder, it's a battle. I've had some words of encouragement for the leadership, which I've kept back because I feel it's for the leadership, about having courage and getting on the front foot and being bold. It's not a game, it's a battle. As in Joshua, leading his people to a place of rest, he's going to send us to our home. And then I'm looking at this passage this morning, which is all about the people of God finding their home and being led to a place of rest. And I, I'm, I want to be saying to our leadership early tomorrow morning or later today, or let, let's, let's get ourselves leaders, though you know who you are, in the most right place before the Lord, in heart, attitude, holiness. You know, if you're a leader here, in any, particularly if you're in the senior leadership of the church, but if you lead in any respect, let's, let's be in a sweet spot before the Lord because we are going to be in a battle and going forward. This is what happens when you step out. When you step out, Almighty God speaks to you. And there will be those of you who are desperate to hear his voice. So the answer is, get on the front foot and you'll hear him. But there's another advantage for us. We have this in a way that Joshua didn't. And this the Bible, is stuffed full of the promises of the living God. I mean, it is ram-packed with it. It is saturated in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and written to you. And the more and more you absorb it and take it on, the more and more your heart will change, soften, you'll commune with God as your Father, you'll be filled with His Spirit. You'll hear more like, like Jackie, Theresa and Jane, Janet did. Because the more and more you do this, the more and more you hear from him in your heart. And it's this easy these days, thank you to Google. Those of you who know, I mean, I'm trying to preach off my iPad today. I'm getting all sorts of confusion going on because I like paper. Uh, so I've even done a printout here rather than look at this on my iPad. But I went on Google and I just put in God's promises versus in the Bible. And there's like, you can get 50 promises here, 30 promises there. So here's a good idea. I mean, you know, every now and again, it's good to just take a little, little verse and remember it. I could just, Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord himself goes before you, will be with you, and never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid or discouraged. John 3.16, God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him won't perish, but have eternal life. Mark 11.24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you've received it, it will be yours. As long as it's not a white Mercedes when they're in a hot tub when there's people starving. It's, it's things on his agenda. 
Psalm 23, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Psalm 27, 1, whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I could, literally, I could go on and on and on and on. I could. I could go on and on for hours. And you'd love it, wouldn't you? Because it's the promises of the living God. Do you get my point? Does anyone want this? I've got 50 of them. 50 verses. Anyone 50 verses? There you go. Have 50 verses, Anne. It'll change your life. Word of God to change your life. So there we go. So we have an advantage. Get into it. Get into it and your life will change. And honestly, you'll start to see things clearly. But remember, it's written for you to you. From your father who loves you. Number two. Point two. Very quickly. Uh, I just love this. Verse 10. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So this mighty army is amassing. And the Lord threw them into confusion. Do you know what? The enemies, sometimes you just have to trust the Lord and give your situation over to heaven and, as we were told, stop striving. Trust the Lord. Sometimes you'd be silent and just trust him. I had someone try to take me out of ministry once. They, they, they compiled a dossier of, of amazing list of accusations. Okay, it's harmless old me. Harmless little me. They had a big dossier of accusations. On a clipboard, actually. I got sent to a meeting. I didn't know what it was about. And it was, a, it was someone I thought was a friend at the time. And anyway, it was all a bit weird. I can't go into the details of it. But suffice it, I turned up for the meeting. And then all the elders of the church were there. I was a senior pastor. And all the elders of the church were there. And, uh, and, and you know, Mr. Clipboard Man was there with his clipboard. And when I turned up, everyone was in these high chairs and the only thing that was left was this little footstool. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I just sit on a footstool. And I was quite stressed about it, actually. I thought, I don't, what's going on? Why is this even happening? This is so weird. I have to say that in leadership, you, do, you can get shot at. That, it actually goes to the territory. So if you, if you aspire to leadership, just know that's probably happened to me a few times over the years. Anyway, so, hey, welcome. So that, you know, confrontations do happen in leadership. So I'm sitting on this little footstool Feeling a bit, this is really weird. But something had happened before I left. My wife, mighty, fierce, and prophetic woman of the Lord, had intercepted me at a doorstep. And as I left, I went, see you, Karen. And, and I didn't know what I was heading into. She gave me a kiss on the forehead. Don't worry, I'm not going to act that out. <laughs> she gave me a kiss on the forehead. And then she went like this. She went, I used to have this song when I was in Sunday school. I never went to Sunday school. Well, to learn the Bible, I got a book of Peter Popoff's Bible stories so I could learn the genealogies. That's how basic I was. And she went, me Christ in the vessel, you can smile at the storm. Smile at the storm. Smile at the storm. And I went, oh. She went, let me sing it again. Do any of you know it? Mm. You could have joined in and not exposed me then. <laughs> she said, Jesus in the vessel, you can smile at the storm. And then it says something like, and we'll go sailing home. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> you can smile at the storm and we all go sailing home. And I sat in this meeting and clipboard boy started going through his lists. And I sat there with arrows going in my heart at the injustice and, and the untruth and the twisted untruth. And it turned out that it really he'd, 
He'd been slightly manipulated, this guy. And on accusation eight, one of my brother elders just stood up and said, I've had enough. Actually, on all of these eight points, there's all kinds of documents and evidence to show this is all complete lies. And then the person who was stirring it up suddenly got massively confused and started contradicting himself. And then someone else contradicted what they were contradicting. And the whole thing went, descended into chaos. And I was just sitting there on my footstool going, Jesus in the vestry. So I was like, this is really weird. Everyone's like falling into confusion. And then the guy who had said the thing said, I think I need to fall on my sword and resign. I can't, I can't believe I've done this to you. I can't. What are we all sort of tearful? And I said to him, ain't the seven samurai, mate. It's a Baptist church. <laughs> Don't fall inside. Give us a hug. <laughs> and we had a hug and, and it was, you know, we had to overcome some wounds, but it was fine. But I've seen it a few times. When, when Satan opposes you and you give it to heaven and you trust him, he confuses his enemies. When you give it to heaven and you trust him, and your heart's right, crucially. With Christ in the vessel, if you've got Jesus with you, you can smile at the storm. And I feel like it's a little word for us today as well, actually, that we will go sailing home. He's going to take us home. He's going to take us what Jackie said. We're going to have a home. We're going to have a place of rest where we can do our thing, whether it's this one or not. But that's what's happening. But if you are in a situation today where you feel like you're surrounded by enemies or obstacles that are taking you down, my soundest advice I can give you, first and foremost, is to give it to heaven. Get your heart right, like Joshua did. Don't depart from the word. Get your heart right. Give it to heaven. And remember, with Christ in the vessel, you can smile at the storm. And the Lord will take you home. Point three, the hailstones. God's on it, simple as that. He will use what he's got. And he will intervene. And I think we will see interventions as we go along. Point four, the strangest bit of the story. <laughs> Sun stands still. Now, <laughs> what to say about this? Now, we use words, don't we, like sunset and sunrise and uh, sun stands still. But actually, you know, we're kind of in the, in the whole space thing. We're moving. You know, we use words like sunset, sunrise, but, it's, it's, you know, we're moving and spinning and stuff. So they're expressions. But let me just tell you a little thing. And uh, I think Theresa and Simon will, will know something of this. Um, I'll try and do this very, very quickly. But I, I uh, was in a situation once where a woman we knew was dying because she was giving birth. The placenta was, uh, her name is Nikki, her placenta was stuck on a major vein. They said, we're going to have to do a cesarean, but there's a chance you could bleed out, basically, and it had the blood banks on standby. And, uh, and, and the, the husband, Andy, said to me, we're going to phone you uh, if, if it gets desperate. But she refused to say goodbye to her other two children because she didn't want to think she was going to die. She trusted the Lord. It was as bad as it can get, I was told later by the obstetrician. As bad as it gets in obstetrics, this is life, seriously life-threatening. We mobilised the church to pray. Um, in the afternoon, I got a phone call, uh, which was, uh, can you get to the hospital now? It's gone really bad. So it was pouring with rain. I had an old GT550 Kawasaki motorcycle, shaft drive, for those of you into that kind of thing. I got all my motorcycle kit on, it took a few minutes, got my bike out of the garage, fired the bike up, rode nine miles to Chelmsford, it probably took me about 45 minutes from phone call to get there. Uh, couldn't get my way in. My chaplaincy pass was for Basildon, not for Chelmsford. So I couldn't get in through the secure doors. I had to bang and bell. And, and eventually, it was a specialist maternity hospital. Someone let me in. 
And as I walked in, Andy, my mate, was putting the phone down. He said, come with me. I'm still in my wet motorcycle kit. I've never known anything like it. I've done a few emergency prayers in critical health before, but they led me up some stairs. They, uh, I dumped my crash helmet in the corridor. I took my gloves off. I dumped my jacket off, but I'm still in my waterproof trousers dripping. They take me into a delivery room. There are a team of doctors and nurses around Nikki. They're pressing down on her stomach where they'd uh, done the cesarean. The baby had been taken down into uh, an incubator situation. And... Um, uh, they, this guy turned to me and said, are you the, are you the priest? And, and I said, well, kind of, I'm a church leader. And he took me to one side and he said, can you do the last rites? And uh, now, you know, I went to a Baptist Bible college. I haven't got a clue what that is. <laughs> so I said, oh, I'll pray for her. So um, and what they said was, she's drained the blood bank and we've run out of clotting agents and it's bad. So can you just pray? and commit her to, I know she's a, a woman of faith, so commit to God. So I'm holding Andy's hand, and we pray. And man, did I pray. I prayed in tongues. I prayed in English. I, I quoted scriptures. You're desperate. You do whatever you can. And then eventually they moved us into a side room. And every time someone walked past that side room, there was fear in our hearts because we thought someone's going to walk past and say she's gone. Anyway, after about an hour, the surgeon comes in and says, uh, it's amazing, the bleeding stopped despite the, the lack of clotting agents. We think we've stabilised over the last hour to be able to move her to a, an intensive care unit across the city, Chums is the city now, as we think we'll be able to do that. Uh, so we're like, wow. And then we prayed together that if there was any other obstruction, we'd find it. The surgeon came in two minutes later and said, we found another small bleed, which could have got really bad. So we just tapped that off, and now we're going to move her. And then we prayed again, and we said, God, can we speak to her before midnight? Please, God, can we speak to her before midnight? And then we went to the hospital at 11.50. We had a Burger King first, actually. And then, because uh, we were feeling peaceful now, and after adrenaline rush, we were really hungry for a bacon double cheeseburger. So we uh, went to Burger King, and then we went to the hospital at 11.50. And then 11.55, before midnight, Nikki opened her eyes, and she looked at Andy, and then she looked at me and said, oh, I really want a cup of tea. And we went, wow. And then she fell back to sleep. And uh, she was saved, her life was saved, and the life of the baby was saved and it was all good and then something happened Andy and I were sitting there chewing the cud after feeling like we'd been in combat all day and I was thinking how am I going to counsel this guy for the loss of his wife um, that's what I was preparing to do he said there's one really strange thing that I need to talk to you about today and um, I said what's that and he simply said it was a bit weird he said because I phoned you he said and then he said and you walked through the door and I put the phone down to you he said, how did you know, you know, how'd that happen? Were you on your mobile or something? We didn't really have mobiles back then. I mean, no, I was on my motorbike. What do you mean? He said, well, I was saying goodbye. Yeah, please get it as soon as you can. He also said, bring some change, because you only had a payphone thing. So we didn't, you only had mobiles if you were rich or a pastor back then, <laughs> and, uh, or a banker. And he said, um, he said, I put the phone down, and you, you came through the door. I put the phone down to you, and you came through the door. Now... I hope you understand what I'm saying there. And I don't really know what happened. Maybe he was confused. I think maybe he was confused. Maybe God changed things. I don't know. Maybe God got me there very quickly because she was going to die. I don't know. I'm just going to trust him on it. But he would still hold to that story to that day. And I've asked them over the years since, and that's how they remember it. The point being, God does do amazing things.
and he can do. He can restore lives. He can all the time. He can also use things that are around him. For instance, some people say that all God did was he caused atmospheric refraction. Thicken the atmosphere. And did you know the sun can bend around the earth? Did you know that? Did you know that? I've seen that happen in Manchester. The sun went down and there was this strange orange glow over the city. And I was actually there with um, uh, uh, John Kirkby from Cap, who's a very bright guy. And I sat outside I went, what's this strange orange glow? The sun's gone down. And he went, that's just atmospheric refraction. I went, oh, okay. But actually that can happen. The, the sun, the light of the sun can bend around the earth even over sunset. God can do that. Or he can stand things still in time. In other words, he can do miracles. However he chooses to do it. I just believe he chooses to do them. I don't understand. I don't understand. It's fine. It's old. I just, I just, and it's in a really good case, which costs more than the iPad. I just believe that he does miracles. I understand this. I believe that he does miracles. But here's how they happen. Here's how you get bold answers to bold prayers. You start with small ones. How did I believe? And the rich will tell you, I've never doubted we'll get the money, have I? Not once. Even when we were all flapping, I said, we'll get the money. Even if it's the last minute. How do I know that? Because I've done it for 24 years. I've stood in faith when we've had no money. I've done it. I started off by having faith in my family without any income. Then I had faith for a small church. Then I had faith for a ministry where we needed two grand a month. I finished off at the message where I was in faith every month for £250,000. So I built my faith muscles. Why do I believe that my mum and dad can come to faith? Because I've led loads of people to Christ. And I hang out with people who aren't believers a lot. And I see them come through. So my faith has been built. Do I believe that God can turn, turn the sun back? Yes, because I stood a, a bold prayer for my friend who was dying. And I saw them not die. And I saw the bewilderment in my friend's face. And will I speak it out even if you think I'm nuts? Yes. Because I walked a journey. Joshua could pray a bold prayer because he had wandered in the desert. He'd seen miraculous provision. He'd watched, he'd watched the patriarchs before him. He'd... He'd, he'd seen the walls of Jericho come down. So he believed that he could be the conqueror of, or stand against the, the mighty armies that surrounded him and the Gibeonites because he'd already done it. He'd seen that when he walks in holiness, even though it went pear-shaped for Achan, it could go right for him. Do you understand what I mean? He walked a journey. If you walk a journey before the Lord in faith and you start with small steps, in 10 years' time you'll be taking big steps. Big steps collectively. Because at the moment we're learning how to have faith for £620,000. In 10 years' time, we're going to need faith for £6 million. In 20 years' time, we might be needing faith for 15 or £20 million. Honestly. He can do what he wants to do, however he wants to do it. And I feel my responsibility is to take all of you on a faith journey. This is just the start. Get ready, Rich.
It's just the start. There are 100,000 people in our town. We should be going for 10%. Agree? Good. So we take steps. We build our faith. Trust the Lord. One day we'll look back and we'll say, wow, that little baby step is 650,000. That provision of 150, we'll rejoice in that as a 10 million pound check comes in one day. So we can rescue more people. Build churches around the world for those who've got no money. That's what it's all about. That's how Joshua could believe that the sun would stand still. And so will you one day.